Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. And I'm Linux. And I'm, oh God, Ubuntu. <laughs> you tried, and that's the important thing. Ubuntu? Ubuntu? Ubuntu, which is actually the operating system I'm using right now, uh, which is a flavor of linux oh i didn't know that because uh yeah there's there's not like one monolithic thing that is the linux operating system it's like people customize it to make their own to suit their own needs so there's a lot of different versions of it that just sounds like dos with extra steps yeah if you understood any of that congratulations you know more about computers than steve jobs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> True. Uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, how are you, friend? Uh, I am well. H- how's work going? Work work's going well. Um, we've been cleaning fucking everything, so I've actually been working hard uh, because we have our annual inspection, which I got hired just in time to fucking clean nonstop for. And uh, after that, it'll be a lot easier because I'll get to focus on sales and making money. But it's good. I got probably like 52, 53 hours this week because I fucking got that overtime and fucking carried the whole team like a fucking hoss. Well, there you go. Thank God we got those screeners and you actually started watching way before I did because of the screeners. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't start till Tuesday of this week watching Unabomber. So, uh, also, my power went out on, uh, fuck, was it Thursday? Was Thursday the snowstorm yeah. day? I'm trying to remember. Like, uh, with North Carolina, and Gerald will attest to this, uh, anytime, like, snow happens in the area, everyone freaks the fuck out, and they're just like, oh no, snow, I, what do we do? Uh, run, run, cancel everything, close the schools, close the roads. Like, I didn't have to go into work until 9 o'clock. Buy all the bottled water. Buy bread and milk. Like, Ashley went to the, the grocery store and saw, like, all the bread was gone, basically. Like, it, it was just full-fledged panic for what amounted to, like, one to three inches of snow on uh, yeah. not roadways. And then on the roadways, it was very nice. Like I, I a clever drove... survivalist would just purchase flour because you can get a larger amount and it keeps longer and you can just make your own bread. Yeah, just make sure you uh, also acquire some live chickens. Yeah, and you uh, 
have a way to create heat that doesn't depend on electricity or probably gas. Build a brick oven and live in a bomb shelter. I mean, these are objective facts that everyone should <laughs> should just follow. Yeah. And uh, pull out all of your teeth so you don't bite the insides of your cheeks. Life life hacks. Uh, but yeah, so th- th- that was my first snowfall in North Carolina, and uh, everyone is uh, big babies when it comes to that. Like, the the roads were particularly empty. I got to work, and uh, it was me and the woman who works or who lived in Buffalo. So, like, I was like, I heard I heard typing on the keyboard, and I'm like, "Hey, is that you, person?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's me. How did you know it was me?" I'm like, "You're from Buffalo. You understand how to drive in weather." <laughs> Our Bill from the Buffalo audience uh, got got that and understood everything yeah, I just Bill, said. Bill doesn't know how to walk in weather. <laughs> He knows how to sit in weather, I'll tell you that, with a fucking cast on his leg. <laughs> do the brokey leg. Do the brokey leg. Bill, you're a disaster. I thought it was I thought it was really funny when I started singing Do the Brokey Leg, but you didn't laugh. Because that song sucks. That song does suck. That song I remember when that was in the bars and I was like, God, who came up with this? Like I, I feel like that was one of those songs to just come up with a dance, but they didn't just teach you how to do the dance in the song like you would with the electric slide or yeah. uh, the cha-cha slide or the anything slide. Or the Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. Did they actually teach you how to Dougie in the Dougie? In the music video, yes. Okay. I still don't know how to Dougie, and I- no one's doing it anymore, so now I'd be embarrassed to learn. I did teach myself how to floss, though. Well, you just wanted to be like your hero Sonic. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I would start trying to floss to piss my wife off. <laughs> and then one one day we both just realized that I was actually doing it. And we both looked at each other and were just like, fuck. And then you were like, okay. So you, so you danced the first thing that came to your head. Just so happened to be. <laughs> the best floss in the world. Uh... Uh, speaking of celebratory dances, what are you swilling this evening? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, I have more Tanqueray and tonic with a, a bit of lime. Although I think the my lime dried out, so I'm getting very little lime. Also, I poured a little heavy on the gin. But whatever, it's fine. What about you, friend? Do you have anything new and exciting for the people? I'm going to shoot some fireball for you. Oh, my God. Why, though? (laughs) Smooth. Is fireball whiskey? Or not whiskey. Yes, whiskey. I was thinking of bourbon, but bourbon's a classy version of whiskey. It's whiskey, but it's got, like, a lot of fucking syrup and stuff in it. It's like whiskey that you fucking dissolve a bunch of like fireballs in. Hence the name. Yeah, they're just like, all right. So I made whiskey, but I accidentally dumped like a shit ton of cinnamon in it. Do you guys want to try this? Well, it's not just like pure cinnamon. It's like sugary. Like it, it has a syrup component. So, uh, guys, I, I have this batch of whiskey, but I also accidentally dumped my cinnamon toast crunch into it. You guys want to try it? 
Lance the lifeguard sees everything, but can he see why party boys love fireball whiskey? Oh, uh, because it's got tan lines. <laughs> that's my. That's one of my favorite commercials of all time. I know. <laughs> You're a veteran. I know. You were in the war. I know. <laughs> I someday someday we need to do a fucking like live commentary for hectic knife so people know what the fuck we're referencing constantly. Well, it has to get on more platforms than just Prime in the US. Yeah. Cuz it's only on Prime in the US right now and I'm not sure about other territories, but like you tried to have Paul and Wayne watch it and it wasn't on Prime there, so I don't know where they're going to find it. Cuz let's be real, they're not going to get the the trauma streaming service for uh just hectic knife. Not with that attitude. That's true. What the fuck is my patron money going for? Paul's inevitable French lessons. So he learns how to say Etienne Fillon Xavier. <laughs> or Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Oh my god. He, his French is so atrocious. I need to make him watch Blue is the Warmest Color so he learns how. Oh, Wayne. French is the language of love. <laughs> Is this just a oh, meme man, on Dan episode fromage. today? Yeah. Eh, it feels like it. If you guys haven't heard the story about why I took French in high school and middle school, uh, <laughs> head over to Rabbit Ears, the back catalog, and listen to either SpongeBob SquarePants or Power Rangers, uh, and you will understand why I picked French. It is the stupidest or, thing. Yeah, or or you can just infer based on my reference to the episode of Dexter's Lab. No one watched Dexter's Lab. That's why I got canceled. Ah, oh, everybody watched Dexter Dexter's Lab. I'm sure that's get out of my lab. All right. Uh, so with that, let's uh talk about some news that happened this week. Oh shit! It's mail time. Did any news happen? Um, not really. Although, and I can't find the thread anymore, so it's likely gotten deleted, but uh, there was someone on Reddit who claimed that uh, Horse Girl stole their idea to a movie. So, like, this person made a movie in, like, 2018 and uh, had striking similarities to Horse Girl. Uh, I never got around to watching it because uh, the thread was deleted by the time I got home that day. But uh, there is a claim going around that Horse Girl has plagiarized some independent filmmaker's movie. Well, every movie's copied from something. I think it's Spielberg who says, like, there's seven stories to a movie. Like, you can have seven different stories in a movie. Yeah. So, yes. I don't know. That that was the only news I wanted to find it, but of, of course I couldn't find it because it was deleted by this point. So uh, just know that somebody on the internet alleged that uh, Hollywood people stole their movie. You know, a movie we've never heard of that re- was released in 2018 was was stolen by people who are too famous to give a shit. Yeah, welcome to being an independent filmmaker. Uh, we'll see if anything gets brought up in the courts. I don't know. Do- do you remember the movie Repo Men? Probably not, because like it didn't do well. I think Jude Law was in it. Maybe, but I... like that that movie was based on like a fucking 
indie musical, like gothic musical fucking movie called Repo the Genetic Opera, which is fucking awesome. Hmm. But like then Hollywood's just like, oh, yeah, like uh, a repo man stealing organs that are like financed from a big mega corporation. That that could be a cool movie. So they did like their shitty version of it. I think as an independent it movie, happens. yes, that would be fine. But then there was actual Hollywood funding behind this and had like, I think I want to say yeah. Jude Law starring. So like, of course they went for like lowest common denominator and just went, eh, fuck it. It's a repo guy who, who takes back organs. Yeah. Repo the genetic opera is fucking lit though. The movie's really good. Uh, and that'll move us over into Downstream, where we talk about some trailers that, that happened. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! It's uh, Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. Oh, man, you look at right. me! Look at you. I think... I, what, 2006? Uh, 2010, actually. I mean, to be fair, 2010 feels like 2006. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember it because... Uh, I was dating Alicia at the time and she was a big fan of Repo the Genetic Opera and she had very strong opinions about Hollywood cashing in on it. I mean, sure. Yeah, sure. Our first trailer is for I Am Not Okay With This. This is a series. I Am Not Okay With This Series. Um, Hey, kids, do you like Stranger Things? Do you like... The End of the Fucking World on Netflix? Do you like the It movies? Good news. Two of the kids from It are now in a, a End of the Fucking World series where uh, Beverly from It finds out that she's an 11 and can move things with her mind. I was going to ask if that was Beverly. I never saw the new It movies. So yeah. like I, I and the I uh, the guy in it is Stanley I think is his name in it. Oh, I don't know about that. That was my attempt at being Stanley from The Office. This wasn't very good. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> segue, segue, segue. Uh, she has superpowers. Yeah, isn't she like moving shit with her mind? Yeah, she's There's, Charles like, shit Xavier. flying around. Oh my god, what if this She's... is a backdoor into the new X-Men universe? Eh, oh, oh god. No, thank you. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's a series about a girl <laughs> now, who now has I'm powers. Now I'm just sensing like the, the last episode of this series is going to be like the Sentinels arrive while she's using her superpowers and they're just like, I am not okay with this and beat her up. <laughs> Either that or, like, Millie Bobby Brown shows up on screen. She's like, hi, I'm here, too. You're number uh, yeah. six or something. <laughs> uh, Sure. This comes out on Wednesday, so if you guys want to watch it, uh, I'm not going to fault you for it. But uh, it, it specifically says Stranger Things and I uh, at the end of the fucking world. Is that what it is? That what it is? Yeah. I was thinking, like, I... The end of the, end of the F-King world. Uh, I was thinking, like... I don't feel at home in this world anymore for a minute. Nah. But uh, if yeah, if you like those shows, I guess they're trying to say, hey, watch this show. I don't know. Whatever. Who's responsible for choosing these titles? 
So I th- well, it's based off a comic book or a graphic novel, so maybe that's the title of the graphic novel in order to get like name recognition. Like, oh, they're adapting this thing. Let's all watch this. Uh, does anybody know about that graphic novel? Like, I feel like you and Corey were the only people in the world that had ever read Lock and Key. Because I had never heard of it before. No, that's fair. I only heard about it because Corey heard about it. So that means people yeah, who see? are as weird as Corey knew that that existed. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Gerard Way generation. <laughs> when I was a young boy. <laughs> uh, our next trailer is for... I love Corey, though. <laughs> oh, Corey's fine. Uh, He's a fine human being. Uh Caleb, do you want to feel good? Yeah, I do. I was like, wait a minute, what song is that? I'm like, oh, that's my favorite gorilla song. Feel good. Uh, Well, unfortunately, this isn't the Feel Good Inc., but this is Feel Good. It's another series. Uh, In fact, all of our trailers are for series this week. Because we can't have movies anymore. Yeah. That's true. Uh, this is about a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts dating a girl, and then the girl finds out that she's in Narcotics Anonymous. And went to jail. And, uh, yeah. Mm. So it's about uh, a young woman trying to deal with being sober and being a struggling comedian. And uh, I guess she's Canadian and is like living in London. Yeah. So she's like you know been transplanted and is away from her her family and support network and stuff and a new relationship and it's uh i guess a a a life drama with comedic notes i guess is how i would characterize it yeah it's along that same looks fine it's along that same vein as like a grace and frankie or like a kaminsky method so like this might be a hit like especially because like we're but but for a much younger crowd, right? But like this is being promoted like four weeks ahead of time, so like they obviously yeah. want this to be a thing. I don't know if it will be a thing, but they're trying to make it be a thing. So, uh, w- will this be a thing? Let's find out. I don't know. It's probably the most intrigued I've been about uh, a trailer for this week. Like, uh, not saying like we have a, a massive amount of selection to go from, but. This is probably the thing I am looking forward to watching the most this week uh, out of yeah. these trailers. Uh, and that'll segue us on to Freud. Our, yeah, our next trailer, Fraud. I mean, Freud. I mean, it's 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 a show about what if the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was with Sigmund Freud instead of uh, whoever Sean Connery was supposed to be. Alan Quatermain. Why do I know that? I saw the first 15 minutes of that movie and just went, I don't understand why anybody fucking likes this, Wayne, and then turned it off. <laughs> so wait, he wasn't actually supposed to be like somebody from another book or something? I think Alan Quartermain is a main character of some book. I just don't know what it is. Hmm. Uh, allow me to research as you tell everyone about Freud. It's like a trippy psychological horror drama, I guess. I don't know. The trailer is like literally just like gobbledygook. Yes. 
That's that's not a word that I think I've ever used, but I think that's the most apt description. So you went to the movie the. Have you seen any like adulty movies in the movie theater this year? Because I know you went to say Sonic. We talked about what it. like what like a porno? No, like a PG thirteen and above. I don't know what came out this year. Uh, I'm sure I've seen something. Nineteen seventeen. Harley Quinn. That's all I can think of. Okay. Um, because there's a there's a trailer not. for a movie called Antebellum, and Antebellum's trailer feels like Freud's, but Freud's is significantly worse. Like I'm not intrigued by Freud, I'm intrigued by Antebellum. Okay, Alan Quatermain. Oh is yeah, I have the Protagonist of H. Ryder Haggard's 1885 novel King Solomon's Mines and its sequels. Yes. So it's from something. That legendary book series that we've all heard of. When's Netflix going to adapt that? Uh, I have no idea what this is. I've never heard of this book. That's the thing. Like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was basically based off of like literary characters. Yeah. Right? Like, I think they had Tom Sawyer in there at some point. Yeah. And, uh, like, Jekyll and Hyde, there was Mina Harker from Dracula, uh, fucking Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Whatever, Wayne. You can like whatever you want, but what, Jesus. What other extraordinary gentlemen were there? Was there also, the Invisible Man? One of them is an extraordinary lady. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Invisible Man was in there. Which, uh, that, that comes out That seems right. That that movie comes out on Friday, and I'm interested was, to see that. Was was John Carter of Mars one of the extraordinary gentlemen? Oh man, that'd be incredible. <laughs> Thomas Carnacki was one of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Who? He's he's a fictional occult detective created by English fantasy writer William Hope Hodgson. Oh, uh, Dorian Gray was in that too. He was the bad guy, I think. Yeah, he was the bad guy. Yeah. So yeah, they just they just went with the all stars for the for the movie, yeah. and left out Emma Knight, who is apparently a fictional spy, played by Diana Rigg in the British nineteen sixties adventure television series The Avengers. Oh, okay, that's kind of neat. The non Marvel Avengers. Uh, anything else you want to say about Freud? There's nothing to talk about. It's it's a show that exists. Yeah. Uh, looks like a co-production kind of thing, so uh, it's probably going to come out in Germany first, and then we'll come to everywhere else. So I hope you all enjoy. I need to pull myself out of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen rabbit hole. Yeah, right. Uh, last is, finally, Netflix is making a trilogy of uh, Transformers movies, animated movies. Oh no, these are, this is a series. This is a series. Which they, is it a trilogy of series? I guess. So, I want to point out something here. Netflix calls all of their animation anime. Uh, none of their animation That's is anime. That's not what that is. It's animation. Anime is Agretzko a specific is anime. style yeah. of animation, typically found in Japan. Stop appropriating the Japanese and call things what they actually fucking are, you pieces of shit. I hate you. Americanime. 
I watched Toonami as a child. I'm aware of what anime is, you piece of garbage. <laughs> I, I know you have very powerful emotions about this. Uh, this is called Transformers War for Cybertron uh, Part 1 Siege. Uh, this is about Megatron trying to get the AllSpark and the Autobots trying to stop it. Um, I don't know why they turn into trucks on the planet where there's no one but Transformers. But they turn into trucks. I don't... I, don't, I like I don't the Transformers. I will watch it. Yeah, maybe. I'll watch it too. I'll give it a shot. It's not Michael Bay in charge of Transformers, so... Yeah, uh, we're not going to see, like, Devastator with testicles. Oh, my God. And also the racist, uh, what the yeah. fuck were those cars? Uh, what the fuck were their names? Oh, God. I don't know. You remember the first Transformers movie that he did where Jazz, the black robot, was the first one to die? Yeah, I remember that. Outside of that, that movie was fine. You You remember John Champion freaking out about it? No. Or no, it wasn't. It wasn't him. It was, it was like Jesse. the one kid that he hung out with that was like an idiot. <laughs> Bill? There, no. Somebody that we haven't talked to in many years that fucking sucked. I'm trying to Who go knows? through the catalog of people we talked to in high or in high school in college. I don't know. I I don't think I ever met him except maybe one or two times. But like Jesse would bitch about him constantly. <laughs> That sounds like Jesse. Jesse hated everybody. Oh, man, he hated so many people. I remember when I lived with Jesse and he he wouldn't talk to me for like two months because like I did we we had a chore arrangement worked out where like I would always do the dishes because he hated doing them and he would always take the trash out because like you had to walk through the whole building out to the back Mm -hmm. to get to the dumpster and I didn't want to do that, but, like, he didn't take the trash out for, like, a really long time, and it was, like, heaped over the can, so I fucking moved the trash can in front of his fucking bedroom door and stuck a pencil in the top of it with a little, like, post-it note flag that said Mount Jesse and just <laughs> left it sit there, and he wouldn't talk to me for the longest fucking time because I did that. <laughs> He's a good kid. Works hard. Yeah. He's f- he's fucking hilarious. That's all the trailers. Let's get into some quick hits. <laughs> Dan, tell me about Frankie and her amazing friend Grace. Yeah, so we finished uh, season one of Grace and Frankie. Uh, it's... It's a it's a it's a good show. Like uh it's like I said, it's a a life with comedic bits kind of show. Yeah. I I don't know. I I like parts of it. Uh other parts I'm just like, yeah, this is fine. So like I don't I don't find anything bad with it. It's just like a, a good show to just kinda watch and like if you're that kind of person that, you know, on a first time watch you're just like, eh, fuck it, I'll throw something on in the background. That's that's that it's kind of like a less comedic Golden Girls. Oh yes, like like make no mistake, like the these old girls can get it and they do, 
Oh, that's what I was telling Ashley. I'm like, Jane Fonda and fucking Lily Tomlin, you line me up in the room with them, uh, and I will leave you for them in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, Jane Fonda is still gorgeous. I can't believe it. Like, she she made some sort of fucking deal with a cross, crossroads demon. Some sort of, like, Faustian nightmare. You know, she was state. actually there with uh, Tenacious D. She was, like, the third member of their traveling band. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, Lily Tomlin's a fucking gem in this show. I, like, she is so funny. Oh, she's so fucking precious. I, I love her so much. Like, a lot of it is, like, physical comedy. Like, she'll do, like, this is, like, this... Throat, this throat yoga she does that's fucking hilarious yeah, to like look at. Like her tooth and throat singing and yeah. shit. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, and like just her little mannerisms. Like she was born to play that character. It's weird seeing like Miss Frizzle act as an old woman, but there it is. There she is. There, there it is. Yeah. So yeah, Grace and Frankie's good. I have no problems continuing it. I'm desperately terrified that, like, the show is going to end before its official end because somebody, one of the aged actors in it will die. And I really hope that that doesn't happen. I mean, that's the the thing you, like, Kaminsky Method. Like, that's going to be a, a problem with that until it ends, too, where, like, you know, the actors are just so old. Like, Alan Arkin's, like, approaching 90. Yeah. Or is 90. And he's acting. I mean, to to be fair, a lot of his acting is, I'm just kind of sitting in this chair, and I'm going to have a conversation, be able to, like, act verbally, but, like, I'm not doing much with my hands or the rest of my body. I'm just kind of sitting here. Uh, what did you watch, friend? Please, make it so. I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I know why you started watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Because I want to know what the fuck Mike Staclasa is talking about. It's like that It's like that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Shore leave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know why I waited so long on this show. Like, I could have spent so many years of my life enjoying Star Trek The Next Generation. It is really good. Hmm. So I'm just on the first season still. So like the commander Riker doesn't have his cool beard. Uh, So weird. Yeah. There's actually a TV trope called Riker's beard, which is like whenever somebody makes like a big character change between seasons that like makes people like them more. Cause like nobody liked Riker during the first season. And then start of season two, he has a beard and everybody fucking loved him. And then and then he did voiceover for UFO videos. Yeah, that's true. I fucking love LeVar, LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge. It's great. Uh, Data's like the best character ever. Uh, I don't know. You got you got Worf. Where he's got all the shit all over his face, but he's still just like a person underneath. Oh my god, how did he get there? Uh, are Data and Picard best friends yet? Their uh, their relationship hasn't really flourished yet. Like it's still just kind of setting up the characters and the crew and everything. Right. 
I don't know. This has Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher, who's a real annoying little shit. But I don't know. I guess he's like, he's a teenager, but he's like kind of a savant and knows like everything about the ship. It's like he's gotten them into and out of trouble several times. So far, he feels like one of those characters that they're like trying to force me to like. Sure. (laughs) And I don't. Sure. Picard is really neat because like he he's a career man and not a family man so like he's doesn't have a wife or kids or anything but like he was assigned to the Enterprise which like this version of the Enterprise also has like a civilian component like there's just families that live on the ship are they colonizing kind of but like, I think that they're just, like, kind of civilian contractors for Starfleet. So, like, uh, the doctor on the ship is Wesley Crusher's mom. And, like, she doesn't wear a Starfleet uniform. Like, I think, I don't think she's technically part of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And then, like, she just has her her son on the ship with her. But there's, like... The rest of the crew just has their families with them and stuff. Hmm. I I don't know exactly why. I don't think they've really explained that. But, like, whereas in the original series there was, like, you know, so many crew members. Um, Like, there's hundreds of people on this Enterprise. And it's, like, several times larger than the original Enterprise. Right. I don't know, it was really neat. They had uh, the actor who played Bones, uh, Dr. McCoy from the original Star Trek series. Uh, they had him in an episode. He's now a Starfleet Admiral. Of course. So that was neat. Um, they've referenced Kirk and his Enterprise. But I don't know, it's like they do... They do like adventure of the week episodes where it's like a new a new planet. This is the scenario, and they kind of go through that. So like, uh, it hasn't gotten to like the Borg or anything like the main like the main conflict, I guess that they face. But uh, I don't know. They just introduced the Ferengi, who are like space capitalists. Uh huh. Which like they're they're super shysty and like devious little shitheads. So like I don't know. I'm glad that that episode ended. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like it's like any other sci-fi series, I guess. Like there's there's episodes that are hit and miss, but like overall, I I think the show is very good. It looks of its time. Like it it's very much produced for TV in a time before like cheap cgi that was actually looked like something was prevalent right so like all the stuff's practical and they use like uh like composite shots with like matte paintings and uh like little like models of aliens and shit or like just like hokey fucking costumes like people with like lizard heads glued over their face and shit but uh i don't know it kind of has that that sort of mix of old timey charm from the original series and like something that feels more modern. Right. 
Because that what that came out in like the eighties. Uh when the fuck did Next Generation start? I think late eighties, early nineties. And I think it ran until like I think Star Trek Nemesis came out in two thousand two, which is like the last movie based on TNG. Hmm. Okay, so it started in 87 and ran until 94. Wow. Okay. I don't know. It feels like it was like strictly 80s. So, okay. Yeah, I like I can definitely remember being in elementary school and seeing like one of the older kids who was in my sister's class fucking get on the school bus wearing a fucking uh, Starfleet uniform. So it was definitely current of that time. Fucking kids, dude. They didn't give a shit. <laughs> uh, the same kid. Uh, because in Pennsylvania, everybody has to do a senior project. For his senior project, he like rebuilt the engine on a farm tractor that like his dad had or something and then he took his date to the prom on said tractor what a champion of the fucking people oh yeah presumably wearing his starfleet uniform under his tux that kid is a fucking legend you let me beam in here vagina hey he probably did considering who his date was <laughs> Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is very good. I can't wait to binge the entire series and then move on to fucking, uh, uh, what's next? Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine next? I think so. Yeah. I can't wait to watch Deep Space Nine and be deeply disappointed. Actually, fuck that. I can't wait to watch Star Trek Picard and just be, like, horrifyingly angry at it. Well, Caleb, they got rid of the utopic government and had to make it like a reflection of the current U.S. political system. Which doesn't make any sense. It's almost like Gene Roddenberry had an idea, and then as soon as that, as soon as soon Gene Roddenberry died, that idea died with him. And everyone was just like, ah, gotta make it dark, gotta make it realistic. Yeah. Oh, my... All right, uh, so uh, with that, quick hits are over, so let's uh, swing into a commercial for a pod- podcast that you guys might like, and when we come back from that, we're going to talk about uh, the first screener set the Netflix and Swill has ever gotten, Unabomber, in his own words. Make it so. It wasn't, it wasn't even a cool dog, like a Rottweiler. <laughs> no, it's like, no, a schnauzer. schnauzer almost took me off the earth. <laughs> So, did you drink a lot? Did you yeah. uh, do drugs? I mean, what? Yeah, I, yes, to both. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I was an ass. Really? For the bulk of those years. Okay, just and like what, you mean arrogant? Y- arrogant, it was just all about Phil Moon, whatever Phil Moon could do to benefit Phil Moon. Okay. Uh, and I didn't care who I walked on, who I stepped on, who I angered. Have you ever passed someone on the sidewalk and wondered what their story is? What makes them tick? What makes them who they are? I'm Nathan Wade, and I'm the host of Everyone Has a Story podcast. Each week, we interview an average person and explore the events that have impacted, shaped, and molded them into the individuals they are today. In this world of vicious social media rants and bitter partisan politics... 
We need to put the Facebook down and shut the Fox News or CNN off and take our neighbor a plate of cookies. I'm trying to do my small part here to bring people a little closer together. So grab your favorite beverage, find a comfy chair, and join me in on the conversation. Everyone Has a Story releases a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe at everyonehasastorypodcast.com. Remember, everyone is unique. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to get into our main review topic for this week. And we received some screeners for the very first time ever. Sure did. Uh, I want to thank again Jordan from Holland Company for the screeners to Unabomber, in his own words. All right, so this is a brand new documentary miniseries. It's all about the Unabomber. And his kind of uh, reign of terror in the FBI investigation to try to catch him. It features actual interview archival footage and tape from Ted Kaczynski himself. Sure does. Uh, this was pretty interesting. I I vaguely remember when I was a kid, like people freaking out that the Unabomber had finally been caught but I didn't really know the significance of it at the time Mm -hmm. and never really learned a whole lot about the case. So, yeah, Uh, this is going to sound like I'm shitting on the show, but like, it's very basic. Like it, it, it it goes through like a series of events and like follows the timeline and it makes you understand like the significance behind every event in that timeline. Mm-hmm. And for that, I appreciate it because I don't know anything about the Unabomber. Yeah, like, I feel like it would be a bit reductive to call it formulaic, but, like, these kind of true crime documentaries generally follow a kind of pattern. And, like, this is no different, but, like, this is a very well done uh, true crime documentary. Yeah, sure. So... Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I need to start my points with this. So with the screeners we got, there was no skip intro button. So there, there was already that. I'm sure it exists on Netflix and you can skip the intro. Uh, and I recommend you do because, uh, that is honest to God, one of the worst intro songs I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, and they use it for the outro too. It's just like. I was waiting for them to say, like, oh, Ted Kaczynski wrote this song, and that's why we're using it. Yeah. But but they never said that, and I was just like, well, well, it was just a bad song then. Yeah. That, that probably was my biggest problem with it. Oh, 100%. Like, the only time it works thematically is in the final episode where they start the, and it's super on the nose too. like the lyrics for that section, they play over like a montage of like Ted, Ted Kaczynski photos, but like, it's basically like, here's this guy. He descended into madness because of society. Like, okay, fine. But like, otherwise the song is bad. Like it sounded like worse bloodhound gang almost. Yeah. 
Like, I already find Bloodhound Gang insufferable as it is, and the guy had the same fucking vocal tone as the guy from Bloodhound Gang, so... So, are we are we in any way restricted from talking about this? Like, I don't want to go into super gritty detail, because it's not something that's out yet, but, like, they didn't make us sign an NDA or anything. No, this came out uh, on the 22nd. So... Oh, because the... The release date on IMDb says the twenty eighth. No, it's uh, you could actually go to go to it on Netflix right now. Okay, or at least in the U.S. In Canada, it's it releases on the twenty eighth. Okay. Now what the fuck? Okay, so it says twenty second of February in the U.K., twenty eight in Canada, twenty eight on Discovery Canada. Mm-hmm. 4th of March on Discovery Investigation in Canada, and 3rd of April in Canada on Crave. So Canada's getting it several times within two months. Hope you enjoy, Canada. <laughs> figure it out. That's what I say, figure it out. Uh, So, yeah, we can go into as much detail as we want. I mean, like, again, this is based on historical fact that Ke- Ted Kaczynski was the Unabomber and, like, these are the trials that the the FBI went through to find this guy. And, like, this, uh, I guess discussions with his neighbors about, like, who he was and, like, his neighbors and family about who he was, what they thought of him. Like, was he as weird as everyone thought? Did anyone think he was actually, like, a serial bomber? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The really unsettling shit in this to me it was like the one woman that they interviewed was like yeah whenever i was a kid i saw him rummaging around in like our scrap heap out back and shit and i told my parents and they said i was imagining it but he was like out there fucking picking out wires and parts and shit to use in bombs yeah like you've made like out aside from like the wooden casing he would make like these fairly rudimentary bombs that were like uh, eh, didn't have like the explosive power, and I feel like if he didn't use like wood, they would maybe the stopping power would be better. Like they would have actually like here. Here I am trying to tell him how to do serial killing better. I think <laughs> Jesus. I think that has more to do with the propellant. Like I think because he was using like gunpowder, which that it's fine for propelling a bullet in one direction down a metal tube, but like. If it's just expanding in all directions, it's not that powerful. Yeah. I mean, what? It took him like 10, no, like eight bombs before he actually killed somebody or something like that? Yeah. And he, he only actually killed three people. And maimed maimed and injured 23, I think, was the, yeah. was the number. Which, like, is still fucking awful, but, like, I don't know. Like, there's... uh. Like, everybody always talks about, like, how, how intelligent he was and stuff. But, like, I don't know. His, his bombs were really shitty. Yeah. And, and that's, like, the thing that he chose to dedicate his life to, I guess. I don't know. Maybe the, that, that so, and, like, being a fucking weird jungle mountain man. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it had more to do with his surroundings <laughs> and, like, what he get his hands on as opposed to, you know, the actual craft of his bombs. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, like, 
it showed all of his weird fucking homemade guns and stuff too that had like just two by four handles. I mean, he wasn't, he clearly wasn't skilled in woodworking. Like, yeah. If, if anything, like they said he was what, a, a mathematician? So like he, yeah. he understood numbers, but like uh, clearly creating things was not his forte. Yeah, not not an engineer. I don't know. The other thing was like he brings up a lot of sound weird, but he brings up a lot of good points about how society is. Like, uh, basically how society's become is what he thought it would be based off of the way technology was advancing. So like from that aspect. He has a good point, uh, except he undermines it by, you know, shipping explosives to people's houses. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like he's not wrong necessarily. He's just an asshole. I think an asshole's putting it a little mildly, but yes, you're 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 correct with your uh movie quote reference. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Um I I, I think the thing that makes this one stick out is that we get actual audio of Ted Kaczynski speaking. Like, uh, I don't know how... I'm not... We're not true kind people. Like, Vanessa would know this more than either of us, but, like, I don't know how many people have heard audio of Ted Kaczynski talk before. Yeah, and that's kind of the big selling point of this docuseries, is that, you know, it's his side of the story like in his own words because it's the recorded tapes of the only interview that he ever gave talking about you know the incident yep never before seen footage of ted gazinski talking about his manifesto from his jail in florence colorado Uh, and it also has audio footage of his uh harvard slash cia mind control experience so let's talk about that Let's talk about the mind control experience that they touch on in the final episodes. This is like after they wrap up like all these bombings and how the FBI circled around his house and arrested him and how he was sent to prison. They then go on to talk about because Ted Ted was so brilliant that he went to Harvard at 16. Uh, he's no Doogie Hauser, but he was at Harvard at 16. And he was apparently subjected to a psychological experiment by like the head of psychology where, and I'm not sure if they really explain this well enough or not in the documentary, but like all it seemed like was that uh, the psychology professor challenged his worldviews and just completely dismissed them every single time, like, and just wouldn't listen yeah. about anything. So like this was, at a weird formative time of psychology as a discipline where like it was kind of anything goes and they would just fuck with people's lives. But like, I don't know that they really necessarily gave a full rundown of what happened mm-hmm. during these experiments. Cause like, I don't know that anybody necessarily knows except for the people that were there. But like, it seemed like they were trying to just kind of see what effect on behavior it would have if you just like completely made somebody feel like a a stupid fucking dipshit all the time. So like they would have him talk about, you know, kind of his worldview and his ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the guy running the experiment would just be like, well, that's fucking stupid and you're fucking stupid and you're a piece of shit for like, 
years and years and like i don't know like his friends and stuff from school were just like oh yeah in his second year or whatever he just started to withdraw right and stuff so like and i don't know like he still was a kid basically at that time so like I don't know. It 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 seems like it's a cumulative thing that like a lot of things fucked him up, but like Right. I'm I'm not going to say that like uh, the fucking Berkeley or uh Harvard fucking psychology department or whatever like made him into a killer, but like it they definitely didn't contributed. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at his targets, it was mainly like educators uh big business like big yeah. economic destroyer business well, yeah that's people. that's where he that's where he got the the unibomber name because it's like university and airline bomber yeah he had one bomb on an airplane and everyone's like ah unibomber got him nailed it we did it did you feel like it was dismissive of like his actions at some point like especially in like the fourth episode like when they're when they're going through that whole uh Harvard psychology experiment, like they were kind of like dismissing it being like, "Oh, well, this made him do it, like it wasn't him himself, it was like what society put on him mm. I wouldn't go that far, but I think it was it was kind of arguing more that like he was made to be a killer more so than like. He was just born fucked up, you know? Sure. Like nature versus nurture. Yeah. But like, uh, I don't know. There were there were several points where it was like, oh, this happened to him. Like he he got sick as a kid and like had to be separated from his parents. And after that, like he wouldn't let his parents hug him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like there were a bunch of little things like that that they mentioned. It was like, okay, well, clearly they have like like a, a nurture-centric view of, like, child development or whatever. So, I don't know. Like, maybe that's, uh, like, like the evidence is there mm-hmm. for it, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt like, it, it, to a degree, and these are, like, the people who had typically written about Kaczynski, uh, but they were kind of, like, dismissing it being like, well, if you were put through this kind of psychological trauma that he was put through as a child you might be a killer too and it's like uh, i wouldn't go yeah. so i wouldn't go that far yeah but there there's a lot of people who go through that kind of trauma yeah. that don't fucking blow up people and like blow their arms off and shit yeah like he he's also is like just a piece of shit <laughs> uh yeah so like there there was that i i didn't want they weren't dismissing it entirely because i think they were just trying to bring a balance to the whole thing by saying, oh, okay, here's this other side that, like, hey, psychologists now believe that this is possibly what happened to him and why he did what he did because of, like, these horrible things that were done to him as a child. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the the final thing that the, the show really touts is, like, th- this is really, like, the first time we've heard his brother and his brother's wife talk about turning Ted in in the first place. So, like, we kind of see, like, 
his struggle and not so much her struggle because she's like, yeah, fuck that guy in particular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I actually thought that was more interesting than the tapes is like his brother and his brother's wife, like, like their interview. Because I think that was the first time that they had ever really given media access to their lives mm-hmm. to tell their side of it. Well, yeah, because when it first went down, like it was, I believe they very much went into shutdown mode. Like they were just like, don't talk to the press, don't fucking do anything, just ignore them. They'll go away eventually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What would you rate this show overall? Uh, like I said, I, I, it's basic, and for people like me who aren't familiar with the story, uh, it it was it was good from that aspect because like. I don't know anything. I need to be taught like a, a, a three-year-old basically about who the Unabomber is and what he did and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're a seasoned true crime person, you follow enough about the Unabomber uh, outside of like the access to the Kaczynski's. I don't know if there's enough here for you. Uh, also, uh, some of the camera works weird. Like it's, it's super, I don't know, like nineties true crime docu-series stuff. And then, like, uh, there's one camera angle specifically when uh, they go with the former FBI guy to Michigan camp, like, the University of Michigan campus, and they shoot him from, like, this low angle. And I'm like, who did you bring your shortest camera person this day? Like, <laughs> is could you, could you just not find, like, a stoop or something for them to stand on? But okay. But, like, it's fine. Like, like we're not the true crime people, like... I'm not a true crime person, particularly. Like it's just like, eh, whatever. But uh, you know, it's 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 goodish. Like, if you're interested in the Unabomber and you've never really heard about him before, this is the place to start. So, uh, I'll give it a three. Okay, Vanessa, what would you give Unabomber in his own words as a rating? Vanessa says three and a half, four. Uh. I'm going to go three and a half. I didn't really know a lot about the Unabomber case before I watched this. And now I feel like I know quite a bit about it. Yeah. Uh, so it is at, at least at a basic level effective. Um, I don't know. And I actually enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Just make sure you skip intro and skip outro as much as possible. Yeah. The fucking song. <laughs> so bad. Uh, but yeah, if you're a true crime person, listen to Vanessa. Vanessa's the true crime advocate when uh whenever we have her on the podcast, which is uh once. We've had her on once. I'll I'll get her eventually. Alright, uh so one I, I guess for the final time, uh thank you, Jordan, uh, for sending us screeners and understanding that we are the best Netflix podcast in the world. Uh, ever, ever of all time. Of all time. With that, we're going to uh cut over into another break for the Netflix and Swill stuff. And uh, when we come back from that, it's going to be a Patreon review segment where we talk about uh, Steve Jobs, the movie, not the person. Oh, both. Also the person. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, 
Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about a Patreon review request. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the Patreon review segment. Uh, who requested this? That'd be Julio. Known for trying to get us to watch good movies that he thinks are good and not terrible movies. <laughs> uh, and ironically, I'm generally a contrarian to his opinion. Yeah. At least thus far. Um, so tell us about Steve Jobs, the uh, the film. Oh, the film. Uh, let me pull up IMDb here really quick because I didn't think I'd have to do this. Yes, Steve Jobs. Man, I cannot spell right now. I try. I I, I typed in Steve, Steve Jobs. I I typed in Steve Jobs. It's a hey, you did a great job there, Homestar. Yeah. Does that does that joke still track? Do people remember Homestar Runner? Sure. All right. So th- this synopsis already pisses me off. Uh, Steve Jobs takes us behind the scenes of the digital revolution to paint a portrait of the man at its epicenter. The story unfolds backstage at three iconic product launches, ending in 1998 with the unveiling of the iMac. So here's the thing that pisses me off with this, uh, with that write-up. You don't have to put the title of the movie in the write-up. We already know what the write-up is because we've already read the title of the movie. Yeah, and not only that, it's a fucking link to an IMDb page of the actual Steve Jobs. Because he was in, like, a TV documentary with, like, Bill Gates. Uh, He produced Toy Story, apparently. Well, that makes sense, because Pixar was owned by Apple at that time. Okay. That does make sense. Um, yeah. Uh. What Before my hit job on this, tell me what you thought. Uh, so this is... I'm going to equate this to There Will Be Blood in that I think this movie would fall apart if it wasn't for its central performance of Fassbender. I think Fassbender is incredible in this movie. He really becomes like this smug, arrogant prick that we all mm-hmm. feel like Steve Jobs is. Uh, and he, uh, the makeup department especially is pretty great because like he makes this dark transformation from like what? 1984, 85 to 1998, where he looks like Steve Jobs. Like if you held up, if you held up like frame photos of either of them, you'd be like, 
yeah, I could like you be able to tell which one's Steve Jobs, but you could be like, yeah, like they definitely nailed the look that Steve Jobs is going for. So like the makeup department also for making me not realize that was Kate Winslet for the first part of the movie. Uh, really impressive. I didn't realize like it just looked like someone. And I was like, who who is this person? What what have they done here? And, oh, it's Kate Winslet. Never would have guessed that until uh, 1998. Also, also, Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak is kind of perfect casting. Yeah, because he's not Seth Rogen. Like he's he's Steve Wozniak. Like he's actually acting. He's doing a good job. Yeah, he's not just standing there going. Oh. I mean, it's also an, an Aaron Sorkin script, so I mean, there's there's that. Yeah. There, there's a lot of good mar- parts about this movie. Uh, Jeff Daniels also is in it and was good. It's it's always funny to me anytime I see like Jeff Daniels in something because I'm like that guy was in Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey, and those are like two of the best dramatic actors of our generation. Yeah. The guys who would fucking squirt ketchup and mustard in their mouths and all over themselves. <laughs> all right, Caleb, go for it. See, I I thought that this was going to be the uh the one that's just called Jobs, which is like the actual Steve Jobs documentary, and I'm glad that this wasn't that. Um I don't know, it's as technically good as this is, like I have a hard time separating it from my very real and visceral feelings about apple and steve jobs mm-hmm. uh i hate apple and steve jobs uh, spoilers um because they represent the worst capitalism has to offer inflated prices deflated value fashion over function and preventing the customer from owning the thing that they purchase with their own goddamn money if I buy a hammer from Craftsman, it's my hammer. I can use it to drive nails as they intended. If I'm stubborn enough, I can use it to hammer screws into wood, or I can modify it into a completely different tool to suit my own needs. If I buy a computer from Apple, I'm leasing it from them to use in the way that they deem to be appropriate. In the end, Steve Jobs died the way he lived, choosing something fashionable over something that works and is desirable for practically-minded people. <laughs> Homeopathy is bullshit, Apple is bullshit, and Steve Jobs was a ruthless corporate vampire who knew nothing about hardware or software engineering. His biggest contribution to the industry was making your computer see-through and have a hockey puck as a mouse that would turn your hand into a fucking arthritic claw after several hours of continuous use. But Michael Fassbender was pretty good in the role, so three out of five. Also, as an addendum, you should not buy hammers from Craftsman. Uh, if you find older ones at a garage sale or something, by all means, but the newer craftsman tools are garbage. Okay. That's uh, my review. Sh- sure. Uh, I will say one other thing. I think some of the editing is very good. Uh, when they edit between, uh, the present and past, uh, I think that stuff's very good. Some of it's very jarring though. Like there's half second cuts. Well, that's specifically when he's uh, sitting in his dressing room in 1998 thinking about his daughter, uh, who, like, and and it's just like, oh, this is the thing that is on his mind. Like, he's actually starting to care about her, as opposed to how we saw before, where he's, like, very dismissive of her. You made me care again. (laughs) But, like, he actually wants her to be a part of his life, and, like, I thought that, that, that's fine. But, like, there's... The way they cut the newsreels together, 
annoyed me. And also, like, the interspersing of, like, crowd shots of, like, their keynote conferences to, like, what's going on behind the stage. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the keynote. Like, fuck off. And at one point, it like, for no reason... It does like the grindhouse like B horror movie thing where like the film comes off the track. Yeah. And they And it like does that as a scene transition. And they do some which doesn't suit this type of movie at all. No, and it does Dutch angles too, which also doesn't suit this movie at all. So like the cinematography's weird, uh particularly. I didn't really much care for mm parts of it like there's other parts of it where it's fine there's other parts where it's great but like there there are some questionable shots in this movie so um i'm gonna wind up giving this a four i can separate the the subject matter enough uh, i i like that we didn't get to see steve jobs be a cult of personality as he would be uh seen based off of the keynotes that he would give it's very yeah. much like a behind the scenes warts and all kind of thing where, yes, everything is conveniently put into the backstage segments of these keynotes, but, like, I like that as the framing device for the movie, as opposed to, like, trying to tell uh, a, a biographical story, you know, you know, going, like, from 1984 to 1985. It's, you know, uh, his seemingly rise with the Macintosh to his downfall into the next uh, cube piece of garbage, and then, like to his true rise with the, the iMac. So, yeah, I know you hate him. It's fine. You're allowed to, but, uh, Julio continues his winning ways. I don't think I've rated a movie that Julio has given us worse than a three. So, yeah. And I don't know. I'm giving this a three. Yeah. So Julio, it's fine. Keep it up. Everybody else be like Julio. It really, like the thing that saves it is Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah, he's so good. And like, I know how people like to say, "Oh, well, if you, if you get like act, if you get like yelling or tears, like like people, will be like, oh, what a performance!" But like, he doesn't do that. He's just an asshole, and he just portrays such like an asshole. But like, he's so gripping at it. It's like uh, it's like House of Cards again. Like I know I know Sorkin had some. I think Sorkin had some work on that, but like. It's that kind of thing that like draws you in. Like I was invested in this movie from the get go. Yeah, I don't know. I I I didn't feel that connection to it, but I fully admit that I carried a lot of my own prejudice into this. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that's it. That's uh Steve Jobs, or it's Steve Jobs, or Steve Jorbs, Storvin Jorbs. Uh, Caleb, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to be watching Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. I'm so excited. We sure are. Uh, we, it is currently planned that we are going to be joined by Maddie from the Movie Marathoners podcast for that review. So, hooray. Uh, I gotta get in touch with him this week. This is how I plan things. I, I wait till the week of before I'm like, hey, you ready for that thing? Hope you're ready for that thing. Uh, and then with that, Caleb, we're doing a dick pic. So uh, I'm, I don't know if you you got your stuff ready, but I do. Oh, I got it. All right. Uh, why don't you lead us off there first, friend? All right. My word was cigarette.
So the movie that I'm throwing into the mix is called Pizza, Beer, and Smokes. This is a movie about the things that I love. Uh, 1998, a dark, gritty drama. Uh, it's an Argentinian movie. A group of hard scrabble young thieves in Argentina decide to leave their boss and plan heists on their own. Oh no, this sounds like that other movie that we watched a few weeks ago. Um, uh, uh, the Irish one. Cardboard Gangsters? Yes. I like that movie. A good movie. Uh, alright, so, uh, n- no one can hate us for saying that we don't watch foreign movies on this show, because, uh, my word was trouble, and that brought me to, uh... uh Miss Americana. <laughs> uh, no, God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, Doubles Cause Trouble, uh, from 1989, when the tenant in their flat dies under suspicious circumstances, two bickering cousins are forced to navigate both sides of the law. This is a Hong Kong movie from 1989. That's interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, Dan, tell him stuff. Uh, you can find us at NetflixAndSwill.com. Uh, that's where all of our relevant links, like our social media, our podcast, where you can find uh, podcast episodes on podcast platforms that aren't this one that you're currently listening to us on. Uh, and like I said, social medias, at Netflix and Swill everywhere. And that's that's about it. And uh, if you like what we do, you know, maybe consider dropping us a review on Apple Podcasts or, you know, dropping a, a few bucks over on Patreon to get some cool Patreon content. Like uh, Dan Makes Ashley Watch, a series where we're currently going through the Star Wars movies. Caleb, give them a testimonial of that series that you're listening to. Uh, it's funny. It's, it's it's true. That's what Caleb told me in a in a thing. He says, "I love listening to these." I love Doctor Tran. <laughs> I am an Asian male. Uh oh. Uh, hold on. My mom has just texted me serendipitously. She's apparently listening to my new episode or to the new episode. She says Pennsylvania is not a right to work state. What is your company called? Mary Jane asked. P.S. North Carolina is a right to work state. I don't think my mom knows what a right-to-work state is. I don't think she does. Good try, Mom. We're real proud of you. Thanks for listening. And thank you, listeners, for listening. (laughs) Holy fuck. Huh. I guess, according to Wikipedia, at least, she's correct. Huh. My mom... uh, Man, if my mom is right about something and we're not, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Well, hey, I I guess Linda got one on us. Uh, <laughs> we'll cry about it until we see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. 
If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swole family.